0: Hello everybody and welcome to Film Actually News for the 13th of May, 2012. I am Dave McVeigh and I am joined by, oh wait a minute, where is he? Josh? Josh? Give us all your money. No Josh, I won't do that. <laughs> Richard, how are you?
1: I'm good, I'm back.
0: You're back! <laughs> <laughs> it's, it feels weird because I've already spoken to you on panels. <laughs> That's true. But for our people. Film Actually listeners, Richard's back! Woo! Uh, so how was your trip, Richard? Yeah, it was alright. Okay, cool. All right, so (laughs) Richard Gray from The Real Bits joining us for Film Actually News. Josh is actually not with us tonight because it is his lovely fiancé's birthday, and we've basically given her a present by saying she can have Josh for the night. (laughs)
1: That's awfully nice of us.
0: Isn't it just nice? I I I thought that was the damn decent of us, really, when you think about it.
1: Yeah, it doesn't happen very often.
0: No, no. So, what is this show, Richard? This is Film Actually News. This is a loud, fast, and under thirty minutes. This is where we get together and we talk about the week's entertainment news um, in, a, in a in a in a quasi not so serious way.
1: <laughs> we poke fun at stuff. We do,
0: and let's get started. Let's do it. Did you know that the Avengers was not real enough for the U.S. military? <laughs>
1: I there was a few moments in there when I thought it was a, it, it sort of the oh, aliens maybe not that that the the way they constructed that uh, wormhole no you know, just, you know you it,
0: know it's actually it's actually a little bit more grounded than that funnily enough really apparently it was shield they had problems with. Oh, OK. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> the, uh, the military pulled out support uh, for the Avengers because they couldn't get behind the fact. And let me quote from this article uh, that was from Wired magazine. Apparently, they said, we couldn't reconcile the unreality of this international organization and our place in it, said Phil Strub, the Defense Department's Hollywood liaison. He says, "To whom did Shield answer? Did we work for Shield?" We hit that roadblock and mm. decided we couldn't do anything with
1: the film. It bugged <laughs> me the whole film, you yeah. know. I'm glad someone's <laughs> finally said
0: it. So apparently the US military <laughs> couldn't quite wrap their head around Nick Fury. <laughs> 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 I just thought that was beautiful. So, but they you have st-
1: made me very desperate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I would like to point out to the U.S. military that even without their support, uh, our latest tally on uh, Marvel's The Avengers uh, mm. worldwide tally, we should say this is now. Uh, it's been in release eight days total, and it's well made- in the U.S. Uh, no, 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 no. In the U.S., it's only been open what four days?
1: It's it's it came out on the twenty fifth of um, April here.
0: That's right, but it only so, came out in the fourth of May or something, fifth of May or something like that in America.
1: Yeah, so that's so, eight days there. So yeah. it's
0: eight days. Uh, oh, that's right, eight days from there, isn't it? Oh God, what dates? Oh my God, the day This month is going by so fast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so in eight days release, uh, and with the worldwide take from one week prior to that, it has taken a worldwide tally of ching eight
1: hundred
0: and thirty two million four hundred and forty three thousand dollars.
1: We're only talking about eighteen days. In total, there. So. Days in total. <laughs> so. this might be one of the fastest films to get to a billion dollars on its second week second weekend it made it broke another record which is the um, highest second weekend of about 10405 million which no other film including Avatar has done.
0: It is remarkable. At the moment we are fast approaching the fact that this is going to have made 500 million dollars by the end of next week Yeah, that's domestic alone.
1: Yeah, so look, you know, and well-deserved.
0: Well-deserved. All right, so that's enough Avengers. Uh, we've harped on about Avengers over and over and over again. Jo- uh, not Josh, you're not Josh at all, are you?
1: <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. I
0: know. Do you know why? Because his name is next on the list.
1: That's <laughs> true. Now, do you remember uh, Millennium, the TV series, the Chris Carter TV series? In the I 90s? do.
0: That was Lance Henriksen, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was Lance Henriksen. It's a series that um, I really enjoyed and I think wasn't given its due. I think it was only ran for about three years. It was a spin-off from the X-Files. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but it was a very, very dark sort of, you know, um, if it was a film, it would be a hard R-rated TV series. You I know? actually
0: quite enjoyed it. I didn't watch a lot of it, but what I did watch I liked.
1: It, look, no, I quite enjoyed it. It was patchy, but Lance Hamilton's has been on the uh, – the press junket circuit for Tron Uprising, which is the new animated series on Disney. Which I'm extent. really
0: looking forward to seeing.
1: Yeah, no, that looks quite good, actually, because I like all things Tron. Um, but in, when he's t- he actually uh, started talking about Frank Black coming back to the big screen. That's Frank Black, his character, and not the lead singer of the Pixies. Um, and not being uh, his- mistaken with Jack Black's brother. No, exactly right. <laughs> uh, he says, I think it's going to happen. I really do. There's a big push on right now. and There's a lot of crazy people involved in it. They've written a book with interviews with everybody that was on the show, including Frank Spotnitz and me. It's crazy. Uh, you wouldn't give it a shot. It doesn't have to be a $30 million movie either. Either There's a lot of fans out there in 65 countries. I can go to any other country without them wondering when the movie – I can't go to, into any other country without them wondering when the movie is going to be made. And then he sort of goes on to talk about how the world's changed so radically since 9-11 and – uh, things like that, and how that could be a really interesting plot for uh, Millennium. Now, one of the things is the, the, the premise of the show was um, the lead up to the Millennium. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So I'm wondering what's going to happen here. But they did cut, and, and the last time we saw Frank Black on screen, I, I believe, was a 1999 episode of The X Files, which he guest starred in. So I don't know what they're going to do with that.
0: No, and, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if the actual. They may have to change the name. They might. Yeah, I don't know if Millennium actually still works. Every time I think of Millennium, I think of that really bad Cheryl Ladd movie from the 80s. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Unless they shift and go. Actually, no, we are talking about the year 3000. Ah, it's
0: days. that other Millennium. Yeah, not this one, the next one. <laughs> the next one. Hey, Richard. Yes, Dave. You know you, know, you know on Behind the Panels, and if you aren't listening to Behind the Hills, you can find it on, uh, on you, you know that iTunes place. Just type in behind the panels. Uh, But, you know, on on panels this week, we talked about the fact that John Ramita had come out and said that Kick-Ass 2 might be on the works. Yes. And we said, well, maybe it was because Mark Millar basically isn't being taken seriously. He whispered, in John Ramita's ear and said, you say something for once. (laughs) All right. Apparently, uh, Universal Pictures is actually now talking about it and saying that Kick-Ass 2 is actually on the burner with Jeff Wadlow directing a script that he wrote.
1: I think that the Avengers is going to have a lot of new films coming out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I have a feeling Universal went. Don't we have a superhero thing? That one, get that one in production. (laughs) We've got one. (laughs) We had another one with the Hulk. Oh, that's right, we gave that one back.
1: (laughs) Uh, Jeff Wadlow, what do I know him from? What has he done? Uh,
0: uh, uh, I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Cry Wolf.
1: Okay, you go. Cry Wolf. He wrote and directed
0: Cry Wolf in 2005.
1: Interesting. Okay, so you know. Uh, you know, let's not count them out. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to count
0: them out. Apparently, uh, what Universal is banking on is the fact that the original Kick-Ass cost $28 million, gross $48 million domestically and $104 million worldwide. So it is a, a money turner. Uh, so they basically said, well, why not?
1: Yeah, why not? I mean, look, you know, the, the Kick-Ass 2 comic, as we've discussed on Behind the Panels, is not the best work. But I think if they change, um, it, it might be a case where they do need to change it to the film as they did with the first one. Um, yeah, the mod- modify the,
0: it up, yeah. The,
1: the endings don't match up either, so they're going to have to do their own thing with a, with a movie sequel. But, um, but, you know, I think it'll be good. We we discussed this on panels, but I'm not sure if Chloe Moretz could be cast in it because, A, she's too old, and, B, her schedule is... Oh, exactly.
0: Not- I mean, we can bring back Aaron Johnson, no problem. Christopher mintz Place, no problem. But Chloe Moretz, I think, may have passed the expiry date. Exactly. So, oh, anyway, well. anyway, we'll see what happens when that gets... Greenlit and kicking. What do you think?
1: Uh, look, I'll, I'll look forward to it either way.
0: Tell me about Edgar Wright.
1: Edgar Wright. Now, when we interviewed Simon Pegg quite a while ago, um, December last year, he was nights. talking a little bit about his new film, The World's End, that he was writing with Edgar Wright, mm-hmm. which was the third part to the Blood and Ice Cream trilogy, which, is, um, uh, which began with uh, Shaun of the Dead and continued with Hot Fuzz. Right. And he said to us that it's kind of the um, uh, the answer to the equation, um, uh, Shaun of the Dead plus uh, um, uh, Hot Fuzz. And uh, now finally, Working Title and Edgar Wright have actually come out with a bit of official news about what that movie is going to be about. Right. Um, and they've actually set a September start date for the world's end to shoot. Uh, the official log line is basically 20 years after attempting an epic pub crawl Five childhood friends reunite when one of them becomes hell-bent on trying the drinking marathon again. They convince <laughs> to stage an encore by mate Gary King, a 40-year-old man trapped at the cigarette end of his teens. <laughs> Love that phrase. That's great uh, phrase. He drags his reluctant pals to their hometown and once again attempts to reach the fabled pub, The World's End. As they attempt to reconcile the past and the present, they realize the real struggle for the, uh, is for the future, uh, not just theirs, but humankind's. <laughs> Reaching The World's End is the least of their worries. I'm in. Brilliant.
0: Uh, it sounds brilliant. My question is... Shaun of the Dead was parodying uh, horror films, zombie films in particular. Uh, Hot Fuzz was the parody of, of uh, action films. What yeah. is the world's end the parody of?
1: Well, they've kind of done alien films with Paul.
0: Yeah, but that's a part of the
1: series. It's part of the series. They might be, it sounds like Humankind's Future, there could be a bit of alien stuff in there as well. Could and be. we know Peg and Wright love sci-fi, because we, we watch space. So I'm
0: thinking dystopian sci-fi end of the world. I think so. Yep, okay. Sounds good. I mean, I'm, I'm there. These guys can do anything. Now... Speaking of people who I can watch do anything, I'd like to watch him do something. <laughs> the man who is attached to every film in Hollywood actually is now saying that he's co-directing another one.
1: <laughs> this should be Guillermo del Toro, I think. This imagine. would
0: be Guillermo del Toro, who is now apparently co-directing a stop motion version of Pinocchio.
1: I'd be in, I'd be into that.
0: I would be absolutely into it if it ever gets off the ground. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I will believe it when it's um in, it. in cinemas or on Blu-ray. I'll
0: believe it when I see a trailer for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? As, <laughs> as long as we see some footage from it. His last one, what was the uh, the mountains one? What was it called? Um
1: which, which
0: just fell apart. It was, it was the one he was working on and working on and working on and it's now fallen apart. It's a madness of mountains or whatever it's called. The, you know, the, he was long time
1: attached to it. And, uh, was it the, well, the last I, I heard he was working on Pacific Rim.
0: No, it wasn't that one. It was another one. Hold which I I'm, think is still happening, actually. i got to look it up, but the problem with looking up Guillermo del Toro on internet, the internet movie database is the fact that it goes on for about 18,000 pages. So Yeah, well, <laughs> I think the next movie that
1: is actually coming out next year is Pacific Rim. Okay. Uh, which well, is gonna be, as far as I know, giant robots.
0: Have we seen a trailer for it yet?
1: No, but it's actually in production. <laughs> I think that that is actually there are people, there are actors in this who are actually <laughs> working on this.
0: <laughs> They're actually and it's got a release
1: it. date of twelfth of July two thousand
0: and thirteen. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, where are we? Hold on. The film I was thinking of was um Oh, and look, I'm, I love his uh, his uh, filmography. As a producer, he's still listed as the producer of the Incredible Hulk TV series, Midnight Delivery, Rise of the Guardians, Mama. <laughs> <laughs> the, the list goes on. Um, uh, there's Pacific Rim. Now, see, they've even taken it off his list now. There was one he was a long time in development of, uh, and I forgot. God, what it was called now? Something mountains, something madness. It had. All... Mm, I want mm. to say the mountains of madness, but I think that was a different
1: film. Let's just call it. I was really looking forward to Guillermo del Toro's Mountains of Madness. Well, yeah, I had that... no idea if that's the right title or what it's about, but <laughs> I was so into that. I film I was
0: really waiting for. There it There were mountains.
1: There were madness. It, it would have been gold.
0: It would have been fantastic if we even remembered what it was called. <laughs> uh, but that's the problem with Guillermo del Toro. He has so many films on the boil. Who can keep up? <laughs> <You
1: know>?
0: Exactly. <laughs> Um, look, we salute him. When he actually does make a film, it's actually usually pretty entertaining. Yeah. So he <laughs> just has to make them. Uh, I think he just learns, needs to learn focus.
1: Yeah. Might be a good idea. Had a bit of bad luck with the last big movie he was attached to, which was The Hobbit.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. And that wasn't actually not so much bad luck as just he, it was just not stamina. He couldn't wait no. it out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Richard, I know you're a big fan of Studio Ghibli. I am. So tell me about this.
1: Now this is a really interesting one. There was a, a film that studio uh uh Ghibli. I believe, oh Ghibli, it's Ghibli. Ghibli, sorry, Ghibli. Uh, phase, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah,
0: yeah. whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's call the whole thing <laughs> up. One of their first big films, a um, groundbreaking film was uh, Noska the Valley of the Wind. And on that film, um a young they, they were they were trying to get as many animators as possible. This is one of their first big uh films to, to be made, and they were trying to get as many animators from around the country to come and work on with them at the time, because at the time they weren't the big name that they are now. Uh, One of them was a guy named um, uh, Hideaki Anno uh, who went on to create a few little things. One of them was Neon Genesis Evangelion. Right. um, When he created his own studio. Now, that is probably one of the biggest um, animes of all time. Um, And now uh, uh, Anime News Network and a few other sources um, are reporting that uh, Anno is actually not only... Uh, putting together a special effects museum, which is a uh, reason to be excited enough uh, uh, alone. Because he, Apparently, he's a big special effects guru. Right. But he's working with Studio Ghibli on a live-action short film um, called, um, and the translation is, Giant God Warrior Appears in Tokyo. All right. And it looks – there's a very brief clip of about, you know, three seconds of footage of it, and it's up on my site if you want to go and have a look. Um, of this giant god warrior appearing <laughs> over Tokyo <laughs> and the, the name of it seems to be a, a reference to that early film North Security of the Valley of the Wind where they actually had so this could be a little live action uh, kind of tribute to that original film which uh, is going to send uh, us uh, fanboys and uh, otaku into an absolute spin so oh.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so they're actually it,
0: doing live action that's just fascinating
1: it, it, is, it is fascinating. I think it's, um, the the exhibit concentrates a lot on um, models and and maquettes and, and things that they must have used for like old stop motion animation. Right. Um, so perhaps it will be a combination of, of techniques. But the little bit of test footage that's up there at the moment uh, does look pretty impressive.
0: Cool. All right. Well, we'll look forward to that. I think it would be very interesting to see. I always am fascinated when they change medium. It's like uh, when uh, uh, Brad Bird did live action for the first time, yeah. or or when um, Ardman Studios did CG for the first time.
1: You know, I'd be interested to see what happens if Ghibli gets into the live action market because uh, you know I've been to the Studio Ghibli Museum in uh, in Tokyo and it's amazing. Um, you know, just 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 how much love there is for animation in that building, <laughs> um, and it'd be interesting to see what what happens if they they transfer medium because its founder Miyazaki is is very much just a, uh, lives, breeds, and talks um, animation. So I'd be wondering if he could make the transition. But then again, you know, if he's called the Walt Disney of the East, slightly unfairly, um, he uh, uh, Walt Disney made the successful transaction to to live action. So maybe he could too.
0: Cool. All right, I've, I've got some late-breaking news. Yes. Uh, that Guillermo del Toro film that we were just trying to remember uh, is actually called At the Mountains of Madness. Ah. And it's actually, there
1: was mountains, there were madness. There
0: was mountains and there was madness. It's uh, based on an H.P. Lovecraft novel from 1931. Um, oh, so it would oh. have been lots of monsters and stuff, which is very much what uh, Guillermo del Toro likes. <laughs> and according to the Wikipedia entry, it actually says, Director Guillermo del Toro and screenwriter Matthew Robbins wrote a screenplay based on Lovecraft's story, uh, but in 2006 had trouble getting Warner Bros. to finance the project. Del Toro wrote, this, um, he wrote, the studio is very nervous about the cost and it is not uh, having a love story or a happy ending, but it's impossible to do either in a Lovecraft universe. Uh, in July 2010, it was announced that the film would be made in 3D and that James Cameron would be become producer, and Tom Cruise mm. was attached to star. Uh, this was a startling prospect, considering Lovecraft's tales had long been considered unfilmable. Del Toro confirmed that the film would begin production as uh, as early as may 2011 and the film and the filming in june however in march 2011 it was announced that universal refused to greenlight the project due to del toro's insistence that it be released with an r rating rather than the pg-13 according to salon.com universal wants to hold on to the project in the event that it changes its mind and decides to make it uh, make it later either as an r or pg-13 movie but del toro is already trying to set up mountains at another studio However, on April 30th, 2012, Del Toro broke the news on his site that the project is not going forward, due largely to the resemblance in premise with director Ridley Scott's upcoming film, Prometheus.
1: Uh, I think I do remember reading this now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So there you go. So I wasn't going mad.
1: (laughs) I knew it was a long... You hadn't gone to the mountain.
0: Yeah, exactly. I hadn't gone to the mountain. I, I knew it was a long, gestating project, but Del Toro has been attached to this thing forever. Um, yeah. and, uh, yeah, I remember reading an in empire, in empire magazine actually that it had fallen apart. I didn't know it was because of Prometheus last I yeah. heard it was because of budget. Apparently it was a budget blowout of like $120 million mm. and Lovecraft has never traditionally brought a lot of money in. No,
1: no, hazard. but I would like to see Lovecraft done well.
0: Yeah. I'd like to see Lovecraft done by Del Toro actually. is yeah. what I would really like to see.
1: <laughs> that whole uh, Cthulhu mythos. Needs, like, a big epic kind of thing behind it.
0: It certainly does. Now, from that to something completely frivolous, (laughs) 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 because I do love my frivolous, Um, apparently, Richard, do you like a good shawarma?
1: Well, it's it's mostly meat-based, isn't it?
0: Oh, that's so right. You don't even eat it.
1: So, no, I don't. <laughs> well, you like but the, I'm sure I would. But you I, would like yeah,
0: the falafel equivalent of it.
1: I, I hear there's a good shawarma place a few blocks from here. I'm not sure what it is, but I hear a text.
0: <laughs> well, apparently, according to – and I, I'm going to say this once, and I'm never going to say it again. I'm quoting TMZ. <laughs> All
1: right. okay, but I'm walking. I'm walking for the show right
0: <laughs> But according to TMZ, apparently – this, the sales of shawarma have skyrocketed in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> ever since the Avengers opened because of Tony Stark's line basically saying that's, we should go get shawarma.
1: amazing Nobody eats anything in L.A.
0: I know. <laughs> Apparently the, uh, the uh, um, sales are up by like 80%. Right, uh, <laughs> and it's at
1: Roro's Chicken, a famed Lebanese joint in Hollywood.
0: Absolutely, but then it goes on. If you actually dig a bit deeper, you find out many cities across America are actually reporting massive increases in shawarma sales.
1: <laughs> I like this little um, uh, little postscript to the story. We're told the same thing happened a few years back when Baba Ganoush joke was featured in You Don't Mess With a Zohan.
0: <laughs> I love the fact that at the very bottom of the article it says, and that's the last time we'll mention <laughs> You Don't Mess With a Zohan. <laughs>
1: Likewise, it's the last time we'll probably mention TMZ. Ah,
0: that's my plan. I I am ashamed that I actually am quoting from a TMZ article, but it caught my eye and I thought it was funny. Now, I would also like to point out that they mentioned the film Don't Mess With The Zohan, which I thought was really, really bad. I hated Hmm. Don't Mess With The Zohan. But I have to say, just on a postscript note to that, that I would actually rather watch that film than The Dictator. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh the dictator has, has quite rapidly moved into my bottom five films of all time possibly in the bottom one Oh uh, wow. no i don't know if it's well actually it is it is that bad at the it, m- it is, well no it is, it is that much,
0: bad but i'd have to really sort of think about what number one yeah, they're there are probably anymore. worse films actually i'm not even thinking number ones They're they're pretty much number twos aren't they
1: Ah, well, yes. That's yes. true. <laughs> a lot of actors film. Oh, look, you know, it's, it's, we're, not, we're not featuring the film on the show, or maybe we are next no, week. No, no, no. No, we're not. No. So, look, you know, I'll get it all out of my system now. Yeah. Don't don't
0: see it. Look, yeah, let's just mention this right now. Josh didn't see it, so he's not going to be part of the review anyway. We are not. We don't review films on Film Action News, but we actually have just a little bit of time up our slaves. And let's just say we saw The Dictator. Do you have one more story, David? We'll get through that. Don't worry. We've got time. <laughs> I'm watching the clock, dude. <laughs> 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 Under 30 minutes. Uh it's true. Uh, we did happen to catch a copy. Uh, we, not catch a copy. We got to see a screening of The Dictator. That film has left me brain dead, can I tell you? I uh, saw a screening <laughs> of uh, The Dictator la- uh, two nights ago. And um, it is, I actually have already said to Richard as well that I think it is quite possibly the most offensive and most unfunny film I've possibly ever seen.
1: And if you've listened to the show, you you know we're not easily offended. We're more likely to offend than be. Yeah,
0: <laughs> pretty much, you know. But I, I think you summed up perfectly for me, Richard. And you can go in a little bit more depth on this when you said that it is not okay to be completely offensive and then kind of wink at the audience and say, "Look, I'm just being funny."
1: Yeah, look, I, I think the first time he did that with Borat, um, it was funny. and, yeah. and I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I found it funny. But he was, he did seem to have a satirical eye then. Mm. And it was, it was parody when he did it again in uh, Bruno um, and, and now kind of – it's, it's a different style of filmmaking for him. This is more of a straight narrative, um, if you can call it that. Yeah. Um, he, 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 that he's done this time around. When, when you are offensive three times in a row, you start to wonder whether the filmmaker or the creator behind it isn't actually – that wasn't parody the first time around. He was actually just genuinely offensive um, and bigoted. And he was just using funny moustaches and beards as a means of getting away with it. Mm. Um, and I think in, this is this is particular case, and, and I'm baffled because a lot of the reviews coming out are saying it's a brave film and it's, it's the kind of comedy we need. And so you had to, no, it's not. No, it's, it's, really, it's, it's really, really, not really kind it's of not. Um, I'm I'm very very rarely, uh, as I said, offended by a film. But I think I found what he was doing in this film was actually like I think he, he's quite eloquently put it. Then he was. Um, being offensive to an audience and then turning and going, oh, it's okay, wink, wink, no, yeah, it's a joke. Um, it's a
0: joke, Joyce. You
1: yeah, know. exactly. But it's not. It's not. He he actually offends pretty much every minority group. in It's it's, no, a, it's
0: like walking up and and forgive me, I'm I'm using this as purely an example, but it's like walking up to somebody. Uh, of, of of a, a, a an Asian dis, uh, you know a, a, a background or whatever, and basically calling them a chink or something like that, and then going, oh, but it's just funny. I'm just joking.
1: It's just, I'm, 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 I'm it's parody. It's parody. Yeah, exactly.
0: And that's yeah. what this film is like. The whole film is like that, and it is just absolutely. It actually made me feel vaguely sick.
1: Yeah, look, and and I'm not. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think yeah, I think that's the thing. I mean, I, I, I don't think um, I actually sat stony face throughout the film. Mm. So same so here. And it wasn't
0: and it wasn't just racial. It was also offensive to women. It was off- it was offensive to everyone. It really
1: was. It really was. It was it was offensive to feminism. It was offensive to uh, Judaism. Yeah. It was offensive to you know, all, all sorts of groups. I don't
0: know who he was trying to make laugh. That's the problem. Mm. Is I'm not sure who his who his audience was there because he was too busy making being offensive to everyone. And, yeah.
1: and, and I just, I wasn't quite actually, sure. Actually, and that's the thing. I actually don't know what the point of that film was. There's a, there's a brief speech towards the end of the film um, where he kind of makes a point about democracy. And that
0: felt so tacked on to basically say, yeah. see, it doesn't matter what I said because I've got this important thing to say at the end.
1: And also, it, it's almost like saying, oh, I can be bigoted because everybody else is.
0: Exactly. So yeah. my, my, my thoughts to everybody out there is just don't yeah just don't <laughs> really just don't
1: <laughs> um well, on, on, on to happy news i think Which, yes please take <laughs> us
0: home with the last story richard
1: uh, the last story is something we mentioned on the panels but we mentioned very briefly in terms of green arrow being picked up by the cw um uh, as a uh, pilot to series yep but cw was actually picked up five pilots to series that's a um, lot of shows for one one little network it is a lot, a lot of shows for one company. They've renewed shows like Nikita, Heart of Dixie and Gossip Girl, of course, um, uh, which may be its last season. But apparently they've, they've picked up with the Green Arrow-centric series Arrow, yep. uh, which, of course, I'm looking very forward to you. The, the, those who listen to Behind the Panels will know that I'm a bit of a fan of the character. Just a bit. Um, a no-brainer of a pickup was the Sex and the City prequel. Um, Except I don't understand
0: is. this though I don't understand how you take A cutting edge, biting Sexy mm. comedy from HBO And water it down To a CW series
1: Yeah look, I, I, I don't quite get it either I don't understand
0: yeah. if HBO was making this I don't understand how CW is
1: No, but um, CW did have Gossip Girl That they're um, actually getting They're saying this could be its last season So perhaps they're grooming the next big chick hit. Mm. I don't know uh, also, a reboot of the 1980 series Beauty and the Beast, um, which I have some fond memories on. I have a fond because
0: memories for that series. I do not have fond feelings towards the person they've cast in this film.
1: That's true, yeah. Because and I'm also, not a big
0: fan of Christine Cruick, uh, No. Christine Kruick, sorry, who played Lana Lang in Smallville. I think she's an awful actress.
1: Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you there, yeah. but they have to do something with her. She's probably on the contract. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, or maybe she uh, – no, I won't say anything because I'll, I'll risk being offensive at that point. Um, just quickly, they've also added a new medical drama because, you know, God knows they don't have enough of those called First Cut. Uh, and a Terrible mystery name. series called Cult. Stuff that they've cancelled um, includes a uh, freshman series, uh, The Ringer, or Ringer, sorry, which had Sarah Michelle Geller playing two characters. And I remember a clip they played of that on The Soup. Which was Sarah Michelle Gellar and Sarah Michelle Gellar because she's playing two roles, right? Um, talking to each other on a boat, and the ba- it looked like the worst put together background. It was like they're on a boat. There was like a really dodgy background behind them. It's almost as if you could see someone throwing buckets of water at them from Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it looked really bad. They've also cancelled um, the the Witchy series, uh, the Secret Circle. So, look, that's just CW. That's a whole lot of pickups and drops at the moment. But the CW kind of stood out because. The sheer number of uh, pilots they picked up. I think over the
0: next few weeks we'll probably be covering a little bit of television uh, in this show because we're we're going to start seeing the pickups and the drop-offs and the pilots and the and the cancellations. We're going to start seeing a whole bunch of stuff over the next few weeks. So yeah, we we
1: should say like you know there are other series of CW. We've got like the Vampire Diaries and Supernatural and Nine Hundred Two One Zero. They're staying as well, but these were kind of like the major ones. I'm
0: actually stunned that Nine Hundred Two One Zero has lasted. But anyway. Yeah. I I can't believe it. Anyway, we're out of time. we got to get out of here. All right, David. Uh, I'll see you next week. Wait, 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 where can people find you? Where
1: can people find you? Oh, right. Yeah. Um, They'll find me next week on the show. <laughs> um, they'll also find me at therealbits.com. That's bits dot com. They'll also find me at Twitter at DVD Bits.
0: Fantastic. You can find me at com or on Twitter at David McVeigh. Uh, you can also find Josh over at rawdlc.com. Unfortunately, he couldn't be here this week. And that's it for the news. I think we've got nothing else. Richard, I'll see you next
1: week. Yes, as I, as I mentioned, I'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, dude. See you.
0: Jordan fades back, swoosh, and that's the game! Nothing further, Your Honor.